All right, everybody, welcome to the July 7th edition of Cascadian Views. I've got Dan and JJ with me this week. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing all right. I got the uh, Supreme Court discussion from last week posted, and we're going to kind of pick up from there. Trump has a, a short list, I guess, of three people, but only two, really. But also, there's like five more that he's saying is on the short list, just that he could say they're on the short list. Is that a, a, an accurate summation of what's going on? Yeah, I think there's three people that are seriously being looked at, and one of those is probably a dark horse. Uh, so... Dan, you're probably most clued in legally, being as how you practice law. Would you like sure. to take us down the those three people and maybe why they're completely and utterly terrible? Oh well, yeah, they're all frightening and medieval. But yeah, there are three uh, three that are being talked about as the short short list are Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Raymond Kethledge. And they all got fairly similar careers and fairly similar profiles. Um, they're all uh, court, uh, judges for the Circuit Courts of Appeals. Uh, Kavanaugh's on the D.C. Circuit. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is on the uh, Seventh Circuit, I want to say. Yeah. And Kethledge is on the Sixth Circuit. And they're all very young. Uh, the oldest of them is Kavanaugh. He's uh, 53. Uh, Barrett is the youngest of them, and she is only 46. So extremely young as far as Supreme Court justices go. I think probably uh, the only one that was appointed at a similar age in modern times would probably be Clarence Thomas. Um, so yeah, very, very young, all these judges, all extremely conservative uh, I heard all, two of them all, clerked for Kennedy. That's right. Uh, uh, I believe Kavanaugh and Kethledge clerked for Kennedy, while uh, Barrett clerked for uh, Justice Scalia. Um, and uh, Kavanaugh, I think he's probably considered the front runner, at least among the uh, more uh, traditional Republican sorts. Uh, he uh, served in the Bush administration as uh, staff secretary, I believe. That was the job that was uh, in Trump's White House, occupied by uh, uh, God, the fellow who was uh, beating up on all his wives. Can't remember <laughs> the name right now. But, There's so yeah. many. Uh, I know, I know. They they all kind of blur together. He he was beating up his wives and he was dating Hope Hicks. Uh, but yeah, so that was his job in the Bush White House until he was appointed to the uh, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Trump just yeah, started attacking uh, the elder Bush. Do you think that factors in at all when you say traditional Republicans support this guy because he served in the Bush administration? Yeah, I think that's probably the big handicap on him right now is that uh, he's associated with the Bushies. He's, he's an arch conservative. He wasn't one of the guys that um, they ended up you know, threatening to nuke the filibuster over, but he's right up there. Uh, he was one of the last few that they were able to get onto the court before control of the Senate switched hands. He was appointed in uh, uh, May of 2006. So, yeah, just kind of under the wire. And, yeah, he's an extremely conservative uh, judge. Uh, he's ruled kind of doctrinaire conservative down the line all the way. I mean, the one in terms of legal opinions that they've been holding against him, 
their concerns are that he's reached the conclusions that they want, but he didn't do it in the way that they wanted to. So, uh, yeah. He the ways that down. leave the, the breadcrumbs for the other shit they want to do later? Exactly. Or, you know, let's see here. Uh, looking at some of these opinions, I think since he was on the D.C. Circuit, he did get his uh, hands on the Affordable Care Act, and uh, he, well, the court, uh, the D.C. Circuit, upheld the Affordable Care Act. He actually dissented. Uh, I think he argued that there was no jurisdiction to hear the case. And uh, so they were mad that he didn't just come out and say it was unconstitutional right there, although it went on to the Supreme Court and Roberts found it to be constitutional, and so it was upheld. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are basically like that, where he's coming to a conclusion that are is essentially in line the results that they want, but not in the way that they want it to come out. And let's see. You got to enshrine yeah. that conservative doctrine as law. Exactly. Exactly. Or you know, go for the most talk radio version of the opinion that can come out, you know, something very Scalia-like, uh, which kind of leads to the other main contender, which is uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and she is very Scalia-like. She clerked for Justice Scalia. Uh, she's made a lot of comments that I, I think... I think the one thing that's likely to hold her back is that she's made a lot of comments that are don't leave a lot of wiggle room in terms of things like uh, whether or not Roe versus Wade is constitutional. Uh, Senator uh, Susan Collins has come out on the record and said that you know she would not vote for uh, or vote to confirm a justice who did not believe Roe versus Wade was constitutional or wouldn't uphold it. Now, you know, she could certainly squish. She could certainly fold. She's done that on all sorts of other things so far throughout the Trump administration, but she has held the line on a few things like the Affordable Care Act. And so... And more to the point, they've kind of held yeah. the line on things in gender solidarity in particular. And so I, I feel right. like there might be a chance that she has a backbone on this. They made very distinct notions that they didn't like being pushed around by Mitch McConnell on certain votes, things like that, where they thought he was beating up on the women, basically. Exactly. So, I mean, it would... It would be a more of a gamble for Trump to uh, go with uh, Barrett, because I think, on paper at least, she fails Collins's test. So I guess the question is whether or not you know she'll actually follow through with what she says she would do. And I'm assuming that if uh, well, if any of these people are nominated, they're all going to be you know votes to undermine Roe versus Wade, uh, probably votes to undermine gay marriage. Uh, Trump's going out and saying a lot of things like how he wants to have someone that he has a good personal relationship, which personal relationship with, which considering that he's got so much of his investigations right now that are likely going to end up at the Supreme Court, especially something like uh, he gets subpoenaed by Robert Mueller, or if he gets indicted by Mueller, you know, these are going to be questions that will be placed before the Supreme Court. And it is terrifying that Trump has decided he wants somebody who is his buddy on the court in order to hear these cases. It definitely seems um, to strike against like separation of powers. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, how likely do you think it is he brings up Giuliani again for the seat? Because he did the mm -hmm. last time. 
Really? Oh well, yeah, and and oh, it uh, it came out in Fire and Fury that he wanted Giuliani for the Supremes. Wow. But then uh, people were like, "No, that guy's crazy." I think you he know, mentioned that in a rally like, at one point too. Like he'll get him oh, next yeah. time. Yeah. It, it, right, and now it's next time, and I... and he's been doing a lot of the stump on the news, and and he and Trump haven't spat yet. So I'm just saying. That's, you know, the real, I mean, okay, yeah. rather, rather than make a statement, I'll ask a question. What do you think would be crazier, but still logistically likely than that? That would be the craziest thing possible. I mean, your lips to God's ears, if he does that, oh my God, they should almost let it go through. Well, <laughs> they shouldn't let it go through, but... Uh, oh my God, he's old. <laughs> Damn, you part of you is like, but just let it happen anyway, because fuck it. <laughs> he's old. He's had cancer. He could, you know, he, he can't. You know, compared to putting some kind of you know forty-five-year-old Nazi on the court. Oh, you know, I yeah, see. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, but... unless they actually can put a head in a jar. That's, he's that's he's true. oddly progressive on certain social issues. Like he's never had a problem with homosexuals. He famously lived with a gay couple on their couch in an apartment when his wife kicked him out of the the mayor's mansion, and that was in like early '90s New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly. I think that's at least one area which might be considered safe. He might not come for something. I, I mean, like he's going to absolutely that. bend over the Fourth Amendment, but. Oh sure, yeah, he's a terrifying fascist, but yeah, he's also old and not altogether. And yeah, oh, okay, I don't want him on the court. But, oh God, if Trump, if Trump okay. him, what about Steve Bannon? Such, it would be such a disaster. Oh man, okay, Bannon would be crazier, but less likely. Yeah, he'd you know, never get confirmed. Giuliani might have us. I don't know if he has the votes in this world, but I can pretty easily envision a world where Giuliani gets the votes. I yeah. mean, because I feel like Collins could vote for Giuliani. She could. He's never been that opposed to abortion rights. Mm -hmm. God, I mean, that's scary. That it could be doable. I think the court, I think the Senate would be extremely pissed off with Trump if he did go with Giuliani. Because again, they want a, you know, one of the top fascists under 50. They want some Federalist Society, you know, android who's going to be on the court for 40 years. Uh, that is a really great, rule. scary name of a list. Top yeah. fascists under 50. That's well, that's who he goes with. I mean, Jesus. Forbes, top fascists under 50. Seriously, Mother Jones should start, start publishing that list. I'm, yeah. like, dead serious. That's a good idea. Well, I mean, Gorsuch actually started a fascist club at college. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was He was joking, I think. But, I mean, that's exactly what the profile Probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of joking, but not joking. Kidding on the sly. Kidding on but, the square. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are we still allowed to use so, that since Franken turned out to be a douchebag? Oh. Um, I, I think it's a good turn I think phrase. there's a lot I like of Frankens it. come up that we can still use, but, yeah. Yeah, us. Anyhow, I, I totally forgot where I was going, but I would imagine that the Senate would be so furious with Trump if he didn't nominate Giuliani. It would be great. <laughs> but, like, yeah. not furious enough to stop it. They might confirm him anyway, just, you know, just to get it done with. But, you know, they might 
that might be the equivalent of a Harriet Myers for Trump. I mean, but, you know, like, there's still the expectation that they'll get another pick. You know, maybe he does his time, he serves the he needs to, and then, you know, he retires, and then they get to appoint another one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. I mean... The only way they really get into the pick at this point is, you know, if, you know, God forbid something untoward happens to Justice Ginsburg or Justice Breyer. But that's, you know, entirely possible. And if that's the point, then it's even more game over than Kennedy leaving the court. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that is really something. You know, I, I'm open now, you know, because Trump's nuts. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe right. he it's he's just crazy enough that it could actually happen. And you know, considering that judges are really the only thing that they're getting out of Trump, and yeah, I, I'd say that would cause a real rift. That you know, they are they're getting at least you know the institutional Republican Party, they're getting the judges they want out of Trump, and that's pretty much. Well, I mean, they're they also getting breaks. their their base out of Trump. They got tax breaks. They got environmental devastation. They're getting well, massive sure. deregulation. Like they're getting goods. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Next week, I want to have a conversation about the the court packing discussion that's been kind of going around. Okay, cool. Because I was just about to ask that question, but okay, sure. yeah. Yeah, I I want to spend like fifteen twenty minutes on it. So I think we're gonna hold that for the third part in our three part series on the Supreme Court. Um, All right. I I think we're gonna move on now to the national news. Um, Scott. Yeah, Perth. I mean the only one the only one left really is Kethledge oh, sorry. and. I think the assumption is he's not going to be nominated. He is the dark horse. So who knows? But yeah, he's boring. You know, another <laughs> right winger. Clerk for Kennedy, you know, he'd be, he'd be bad. He'd be terrible. Like the others. An average fascist. Not exactly. enough to really scare you up a whole <laughs> new story anymore. 20 yeah. years ago, we would have written books on him. But no, now he's not even a footnote in history of fascists. We've got yeah. fascist inflation, JJ. <laughs> yeah, that's that is fair and unfortunately accurate. Yeah. Oh man, 2018. All right, so All right. yeah, let's move on. Uh, Scott Pruitt, I guess we'll we'll go to that since we were just discussing environmental devastation. Uh, oh yeah. The embattled head of the EPA is out, and there are quite a few ways to read the story. We batted some around in our Facebook group. There's just the simple fact that Pruitt has been an idiot doing the the grift that you get caught doing basically um and he's been getting caught constantly by his own people by the other side by everybody it's been a drip 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 of scandal ever since he took over the epa uh so it, it does seem fair to get rid of him at that point but pruitt for all that was actually doing a fairly good job of what trump wanted to have happen at the epa he was held on to for a long time trump seems to resist the scandals i'm a little bit suspicious because as i point out in the facebook group the only new thing we learned about pruitt before he got fired was that he lobbied trump directly for jeff sessions job and that that seems weird to me that that's the sort of thing that would get him cut loose so i don't know if it's unrelated but it's certainly suspicious yeah, I mean, there's just been so much, it's hard to really pick the one thing, but you're right, that is really the most recent embarrassing thing that's uh, come to light about him. Except I don't know if it's embarrassing. Trump likes that attitude. He wants his underlings to fight. 
and mm-hmm. he, he wants them to like conquer like that. He has pushed that always, and you know he pushed it on TV on a show, and then when he got into the White House, he pushed that idea at the White House too. He, he's in favor of it, so I don't know if that would really be embarrassing in front of Trump. But he does get a hit a lot more for like the political switch ups. I mean, you know, it's not like he's getting to play musical chairs in the White House or anything. He's getting like, pretty close. Well, I mean, he's just, like, firing and replacing. It's not like they're, like, shifting around between duties and jobs constantly. But, I, yeah, I do wonder, because unless, like, he and Beauregard have, have suddenly got a really good relationship, it, it does seem a little weird. I mean, of course, you know, getting rid of Jeff, Jeff Sessions at any point in time right now during the investigation looks really terrible. Yeah, it's not even like we like Jeff Sessions, but I'd be out on the street if he got fired. It's just not how it's supposed to work in democracy. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I do question, though, whether or not um, all the uproar over separate families has endeared Sessions to Trump. I wonder if he's back on the end because of that. That makes sense, because mm-hmm. he took it on the chin, essentially. Yeah. The yeah. loyalty game. Like, he took a hit, and so for Pruitt to even ask right now is just kind of an insult of, like, what? Like, Jeff just got kicked in the nuts on national TV for two weeks for us. Because he finally did something for me, and now you want to throw him overboard? Fuck you. He's doing something suitably horrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love this. I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that does make sense. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it's also strange to me that Pruitt wanted to bail on the EPA to go to the DOJ anyway. Like, he ran the EPA into the ground, so you know yeah. he has the skills Trump wants to the DOJ. Is that really what he's thinking? Oh, sure. Well, yeah, he'd be the loyal soldier. He shuts down the Mueller probe, everything, all all the above. You know, that's exactly what he'd be there to do. Yeah, wasn't his resignation letter was something about, like, what an honor it was, like bestowed by God to serve him. Or like, man, there was oh, yeah. creepy weird. There was definitely in some knob slobbering in that resignation letter. I mean, like, like for the Pope, knob slobbering. Like, that was that was some deep in action. That was that was gross. <laughs> uh, so the replacement for Pruitt at the EPA does not seem to be anybody would want running in, but on the plus side, he is temporary. He's the Pruitt's deputy. Do we do we know who they're, they're tipping for a long-term replacement here, or do they really just want to raise the deputy up and keep him there? I would honestly not be surprised if they load a nomination, like, mm-hmm. five months from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Wait till after the election. Everything's going to be about the SCOTUS right now. Yeah. So it, nobody, including the media, is going to be holding any feet to the fire about getting a nomination for the EPA. Yeah, they have you're a right. functioning. Right. They, you know, they haven't asked keeping the chair warm, who will continue to set tire fires across the country, and literally, that's yeah, that's literally <laughs> uh, baby seals and shit in the Everglades so they're probably <laughs> happy like, and maybe after all of that smoke clears maybe they'll get to it 
yeah, like 2019. Or maybe but the I lame duck session after the election, especially if they lose the Senate. I bet you we'll see a lot of a lot of nominations pushed through in the lame duck session if they do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's all they'll do from November to January. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have more of the burgeoning Russia investigation slash other things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh Cohen is only the Rat King. Yeah. Cohen <laughs> is only marginally tied to the Russian investigation, but now he's got his own taxi thing going on. Um let, let's start with Cohen and we'll go through the list. Yeah. Dan, you seem to have the most of this together. My one little chip in that I had from our discussion earlier was that uh to my understanding Cohen has dissolved I, I think it's like a common defense agreement or something. I may not be getting the words right. You're a lawyer. Tell me what I should yeah. be saying. Oh, well, basically, uh, Trump and uh, the Trump organization, the Trump campaign, had been paying a significant portion of Cohen's legal bills at this point, and his costs have been substantial, especially after the raid, and they had to be evaluating all of these documents for uh, conflict, or not conflict, but for whether the you know the communications were privileged as a part of his practice as an attorney. You know, scoff, scoff, uh, but. So there's been you know, thousands of documents reviewed by teams of lawyers. They've had to be paying for this uh, special master to be reviewing everything and determining whether or not there was privilege or no. And that's been, that cost has probably gotten well into the millions over the last couple of months. It's been enormous. And while there's a lot of indication that Cohen's probably a pretty rich guy, uh, it sounds like that's something that's been beyond his means to cover. He doesn't have the liquid assets really to handle this sort of legal cost. And so, yeah, a lot of the bills have been picked up by the Trump organization and the Trump campaign. Uh, a part of the idea being that uh, their defense is also his defense and they've got you know a number of shared interests. Now, they're supposed to still be his lawyers regardless of whether the Trump campaign is paying him or not. But it's not really feasible for them to continue being his lawyers and continuing accepting, you know, whatever kind of payments they're getting from, you know, the Trump organizations while Cohen is communi- is uh, cooperating with the federal government, whether that's the Southern District of New York or with the Mueller probe, ultimately. So, yeah, that was the big news this week, was that he has uh, dissolved his relationship with these lawyers that have been representing him up until now he's gotten some good lawyers he's also gotten some terrible lawyers uh of his own now so it's going to be interesting i don't know, did you see the most recent uh hiring that he made after his uh, gma bill clinton's story? old lawyer lanny fucking davis yeah yeah, yeah the, the, the biggest you know the only guy i think who might be scummier than cohen himself yeah, uh, he represents dictators. Uh, he's just an awful, awful, awful person. You know, kind of the, the Democrats version of Paul Manafort is Lanny Davis. And now he's going to be Cohen's lawyer. So, yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Happy time. At least he's not getting paid by Trump. It's really a stupid water game. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he did an interview that was made last Saturday or made last Friday, but only published last Sunday, which was uh, with George Stephanopoulos at ABC, where Cohen went out of his way to 
not give any loyalty to the Trump administration. Uh, when pressed on this fact, he stated his only loyalty was to country, God, and family, which I don't believe for a heartbeat. But, uh, well, not that those are his only loyalties, but that he's loyal to any of those things, really. Uh, this this seems to be a, a definite move on Cohen's part away from Trump, which would be an interesting development. It would probably crack a lot of this open. Cohen has the goods. Yeah, I mean, I would think there'd be few people who could expose more criminality on Trump's part. Than... Uh, seriously, at this point, I'm wondering why Trump isn't putting up his kids in, like, golden apartment buildings and, you know, setting up a $10 million college fund for him. Trump should be doing everything exactly. he can to buy Cohen back onto his side. Yeah, I, I mean, in theory, that's just more obstruction. But, you know, Trump has clearly not cared about obstructing justice to this point either seriously you so. want to tell me that i can't buy apartments for my longtime friend's kids fuck you <laughs> yeah that'll be his response to all that it's 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 not me giving it to them it's the uh trump charity the trump foundation yeah. is giving these kids all you know 20 million dollar scholarships mm. yeah yeah that's what it is okay yeah yeah i you know, just uh, unbelievable. But so then he'd have to put up his own money, and he's he's a cheap ass. He is so definitely that. He could really get his own John Dean in the mix just by being a cheap ass. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to Flynn. What's the movement there? That's a name we haven't heard uh, for a very long while. It's been a while because you know we got the word back in December that he was cooperating, and it's been seven months and no sentencing yet. Uh, there's just been actually uh, motions this week from uh, I think Mueller's probe and from Flynn's counsel delaying his sentencing further. Uh, indication being that cooperation is still happening. So I'm trying to figure out how that works, how they couldn't have gotten what more information there could be. Uh, that they hadn't gotten out of it in the last eight months. But uh, I guess it's still coming. One of the things that I have questions about that on our... uh, It's not uncommon, at least in the world of police procedural shows, which is, I know, where everybody gets their legal education, to to see offers of immunity or sentence reduction kind of being contingent on the ability of information to bring charges against somebody else. Could that be what's delaying it? Mueller hasn't filed the charges that would come from the information he got from uh, from Flynn, and they're waiting until that happens. Or is that just something Hollywood Possibly. made up? I mean, that that's kind of one of the few things I could think of that might be holding it up. But I don't know. Uh, I, I think at least with some of these deals, I mean, some of these folks have already been sentenced. Uh, what was it? Uh, Gates. I think Gates has already been sentenced. Papadopoulos. Uh, they've already at least gotten, or at least gotten the charges and the agreements and their pleadings are already done. So I'm not entirely sure if that's going to be the holdup here for Flynn, you know, possibly. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of where, you know, the information that, you know, what we could read from that, you know, if that's going to be leading to indictments rather than just information that's submitted in a report. I mean, are we talking about, you know, what he knows about, say, Don Jr.'s activities, you know, more information about Manafort, possibly? It's, yeah, there's a lot out there. Okay. And uh, the cherry on top. Oh, I'm sorry, JJ, what are you saying? Once the story I was reading today was saying, 
it's just been Quinn's lawyers that have been holding that off um, and are continuing to push for it being held off, which to hmm. me kind of felt like they were just saying, oh, you know, if he goes to prison, you know, he won't be as forthcoming or it won't be as easy, you know. I mean, of course, they can't actually say that to a judge because the judge would be like, well, screw you. Go yeah. Jail. And I don't know, it's the impression I'd gotten was that this is also, you know, Mueller's team that wanted to see the, the, this delayed too. So, huh, that is a slightly different angle than I'd heard. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I don't know. Huh. The cherry on top of the scandal threesome that we've got is... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'll let you tell the this whole story, the best, Dan. This is the best one by far. Okay, so... Six months, not six months. Yeah, I guess about six months ago, uh, shortly before uh, Cohen was rocketed even further into front and center of all the Trump scandals, uh, one of his clients uh, put forth some information, or there was information that was published in the Wall Street Journal and a few other places that uh, he had entered into a uh, non-disclosure agreement with. Uh, former, I believe, Miss November 2010, Shara Bichard, who uh, he had apparently been having an affair with, or at least that was the version of the story that was put out in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I guess, you know, part of what was also communicated at the time was that uh, she'd been paid to have an abortion and that, you know, she was not going to be talking about it going forward. There was this agreement going forward and she was going to be paid. Is, is that actually uh, legal to pay somebody to have an abortion? Not pay for somebody sure. to have an abortion, but to actually pay them money to get them to go have an abortion? Uh, yeah, for now. I, okay. <laughs> not in 18 months, maybe, but now. <laughs> oh, now you could totally have a contract to do that. Absolutely. I, I just, uh, I did you know, not so... know that private medical like decisions were something that were eligible for contractual, like, oh, sure. Definement. I mean, there's there's you know specific performance involved. I mean, say you get so you get a you get a young lady in a family way, and yeah, if you can come up with some kind of inducement to her, you know, she might not be you know inclined to terminate the pregnancy without you know some kind of other compensation. I mean, it's legal to pay them to do that. That just and seems to me to be ripe for abuse for you know rich people to pay off their their you know poor staff they've been banging on the side or something. Oh yeah, yeah. that's. Exactly. I'm sorry, what, JJ? That's exactly why it's legal. Yeah. It, it, it makes it much more convenient, yeah, for the uh, people who can afford to buy that kind of silence, uh, which uh, Elliot Broidy, who is the uh, gentleman involved, uh, certainly is. He's a billionaire, uh, I believe kind of all-purpose fixer, uh, lobbyist and contractor with dealings all over the world. I believe he was one of those guys meeting with uh, God, uh, Don Jr. and Kushner and some of these guys in you know far off corners of the world like the Seychelles and uh, off Madagascar and all this stuff, you know, doing all these big high level deals. You know, he's right in there, and he's also. Uh, up until I believe just a few months ago, he was a uh, fundraising chair for the Republican Party. So big guy, high profile guy, and he's suddenly got this agreement that you know it's 
fairly high profile for something that supposedly he's paid to keep quiet that he's paid Shara Bichard for an affair to have an abortion and to not talk about it. And a lot of people just kind of started scratching their heads like, what is all that about? And as more came out with Stormy Daniels in the subsequent months, huh, it's the same attorneys that represented Trump and Mistress with Stormy Daniels, with Karen McDougal, with all these other, uh, you know, starlets and models and in some cases, you know, pornographic actresses that uh, Trump has been uh, putting the presidential staff to. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my so God. So that starts raising questions. And, you know, why, why are these particular people involved? Why is Michael Cohen involved when he's not really a lawyer? He's barely a lawyer. Uh, when it came time for him to name clients that he actually represented, when you know he first showed up in court asserting privilege a couple months ago, he named as his clients uh, Donald Trump, Elliot Broidy, and Sean Hannity. And Sean Hannity said, no, I'm not a client. Yeah. And that was it. So, you know, strike two in terms of, you know, weirdness about this particular agreement beyond just, you know, making it so public and why Michael Cohen's involvement, why Keith Davidson's involvement. And finally, you know, also around the same time this was allegedly happening, uh, uh, Cohen, uh, not Cohen, but uh, Broidy was able to score some major contracts and policy changes in the Middle East that he was able to net, you know, nearly a billion dollars for. So he's made some very large amounts of money off of this, just, you know, this payment of, you know, 1.2, I think 1.2, 1.8 million dollars. And so the question is, who is who, who is actually the people involved in this contract? Because like the agreements for Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, the uh, parties are listed as David Dennison and Peggy Peterson. And uh, yeah, these are, of course, pseudonyms. And there's parallel evidence that gets submitted along with any kind of enforcement uh, of these contracts listing who these people actually are. Uh, anyhow, uh, as of this last week, uh, Broidy came out and said that, you know, whatever the agreement that he had, it was in breach. And so he was not going to continue making payments. And a couple of days later, uh, Sheriff Bichard filed a lawsuit, you know, demanding that the uh, payments be, you know, continue. That, you know, she'd done her part. She hadn't violated the agreement. And Broidy's arguments for why the agreement had been violated were also pretty absurd. Uh, I think what it basically came down to was that I want to say he was saying that Keith Davidson, who was Bichard's attorney, had spoken to Michael Avenatti about it, and that was what he considered to be the breach. Never mind that Davidson is not actually a party to the agreement, and it's not going going to be a condition of the NDA that, you know, her lawyer not talk about it to somebody. Uh, so, yeah, Bichard sued this week, uh, just actually, I think I want to say Thursday or Friday, so late in the week, and saying that uh, Broidy was in breach, that uh, I think she was also suing Davidson, and she was also suing Michael Avenatti, which really doesn't make a lot of sense at all, because, you know, it's not alleged that he was communicating about the agreement. He was really alleging that he was receiving communication about it. But the whole thing has also been filed under seal, which 
they're allowed to do at least for a limited period of time. Uh, she's got an ex party order to keep it, you know, sealed for 20 days, and then her attorneys will have to file if they want to continue keeping this whole lawsuit secret. But there's also no such obligation, I believe, on the people being served with the lawsuit. So presumably, as soon as uh, Michael Avenatti gets, you know, whatever he's being sued for, you know, whatever documentation they want to give him his complaint, whichever, he could go straight to the press and say, okay, here's what it actually is. Here's what's going on. And that could take some time. They may, for strategic reasons, if they want to keep it quiet, and if they do get a long-term seal, they might not serve him at all with the complaint until it's much close to trial, which legally they can do. California is kind of weird. So anyhow, that's a long way to say, well, trying to you know skirt around the possible libel issue here, but you know how how outrageous do you want to get the underlying theory is that Brody never had an affair with Bichard in the first place that it was actually Trump who had the affair with Bichard got her pregnant and Brody was the fall guy the guy who agreed to make the payments uh, claimed that it was his affair and take the heat and in exchange he's gotten a lot of lucrative government treatment over the last year Woo-hoo. So, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Shit for sale. That's where we are. That you know, and yeah, it, it's pretty astounding. You know, I was when I first started, you know, hearing some of the you know potential explanations for this, I was thinking it sounded like a plot out of Transmetropolitan. It it totally <laughs> does. Right. Like it. It sounds like a B side. Yeah. I'd be like, like man. I mean. They were really digging out for ideas here. It's just somehow, like, had some stories for Spider while he's, like, actually going after some big stuff. But, yeah. It, well, it needs, like, Trump murdering someone with his bare hands. Like, that kind of is what gets it to the next level. And who knows? Maybe right. we'll get there. Yeah. Which, but, yeah. I mean, more than anything is, like, Trump murders, like, three buckets of KFC passes out on somebody and then they died like he just falls over and into a diabetic coma for like six hours and, and like a staffer dies they might have had to do that with a mistress at some point over the years jeez <laughs> yeah. All right. oh. so yeah that was the long version of that but it is the coup, the, the piece de resistance the cherry on top for our, our scandal parfait all right, let's flip it to local for our last uh, our last few minutes here, and I guess we'll start up in Washington, where you guys have a gun control initiative that seems set to qualify for the ballot. But I understand yeah. there's also a little bit of weirdness going on with the Secretary of State and the Supreme Court and some other stuff. Uh, well, there was actually a lawsuit that was uh, trying to keep it from getting to the ballot, but I guess that was struck down. I want to say Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, a, Wait, a Supreme Court commissioner dismissed that filing on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, but apparently, uh, so I'm reading a, a second article here, and that uh, what do we got? The state Supreme Court has referred the initiative to her for a decision on, I guess, the merits of it violating another piece of law. And your Secretary of State Kim Wyman is kind of saying she doesn't have that authority, and that there's nothing in the initiative process law that wants her to. To measure it against the the RCW. Yeah, I mean that 
that seems like a strange order of the court. I mean, that's I don't think that's really the purview of the Secretary it's actually of State, the, largely. The, the, the second uh, link on the right of the article we're reading. Let's uh, see here. LinkedIn. Puts Wyman in an awkward position. All right. Let me quick take a look at that, see what's going on. Referred. Uh, okay, so this is from, yeah, this Friday. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so yeah, it's not about the signatures, it's about the initiative itself, mm-hmm. which, you know, the lawsuit was about the signatures. Uh, let's see. Huh. So, yeah, she could say that it's deficient in its construction, but she couldn't use that necessarily as grounds to dismiss it. All yeah. she can do is say it's bad and maybe send it over. I think I think the Supreme Court actually would have final authority on whether or not it, it just seems weird to me pass, that it could actually be law. It seems weird to me that the Supreme Court would send it to her when I, I'm assuming her legal research is correct and that there's nothing in state law that does give her any sort of authority over that. Why would the Supreme Court kick it down to her? Were they not aware of that? Do they know something she doesn't? Yeah, I honestly, that is a very, I don't really know. <laughs> That, that is a really strange – I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't be aware of what the powers of the Secretary of State are and what grounds – you know, I, I guess I'd go back and kind of take it on its face is that they want some evaluation of whether or not it's proper, whether or not that has any implication for whether or not it can actually remain on the ballot or not because, yeah, it's, it keeps coming back to in the powers of her office. You know, she can really only kick it off the ballot if signatures are deficient. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the initiative for a moment then and the signatures yeah. that collected. It's uh, 1639, and from the article I'm reading right here, and you guys can tell me if there's more to it, its primary uh, effect seems to be raising the age to buy semi-automatic guns uh, to 21, requiring enhanced background checks, and something that's legal in the Ninth, ninth Circuit, require that uh, guns be secured in a home, I'm assuming with a safe or a trigger lock. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be how that would operate, which, yeah, that's going to make the Second Amendment folks kind of fly off the handle. And they were they were very upset about the last initiatives, which uh, prohibited uh, transfer without documentation. The uh, so. the secure storage requirement is something that's legal in the Ninth Circuit, but illegal in uh, I believe it's the Fifth Circuit, which has ruled against it, and the Supreme Court declined to take a case last term that would have cleared that up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, history has been fairly good with some of these initiatives in Washington in the last decade or so. Uh, the last one was passed in uh, 2014 by pretty substantial uh, margin. This one, again, gets a little bit deeper into privacy with the requirement that uh, guns be kept secure in their homes, but... Uh, it's also the kind of common sense thing that uh, I think people might want to see as a law. Yeah, and safe storage requirements are incredibly popular across the West Coast. Uh, they're used extensively in a number of California cities. Yeah. 
and and really if you want to deal with you know some of the most common gun violence i mean it's not high profile stuff like mass shootings but uh curbing say teen suicides or accidental deaths from you know children handling guns i mean that's a crucial requirement there is that you know have people actually be responsible with the weapons that they have and keep them in a condition that they can't be used for accidental death because that is a huge likelihood when a firearm is kept in the home. I believe last year there was not a single week that passed without a toddler accidentally shooting somebody in America. There was That'll actually be, uh... Uh, there was actually an organized project to, to track that uh, among a number of journalists. And yeah, I'm pretty sure they went the full year without a solid calendar week where a toddler did not accidentally shoot somebody with a gun. We both know those aren't accidents, bro. We both know they're being trained by the deep state. Right. And besides, the tree of liberty, it must be watered from time to time with the blood of toddlers. With the gunfire of toddlers. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will put down something from Portland here because it's on the same topic. We had a police shooting up at PSU. Uh, it's an urban campus, so I don't want to sell that too hard. It wasn't like, you know, the grounds of college. It's a number of buildings scattered about uh, a certain number of city blocks in downtown. I lived next to it for a while. It's a beautiful place. They have mm -hmm. a number of businesses uh, in there, one of which is the Cheerful Tortoise, a bar I've been to a couple times. Um, a, well, I was going to say a, a young man, but he's not actually quite that young. A, uh, a 45-year-old uh, man, former Navy veteran, uh, now he works for the Postal Service. He was breaking up a fight at the bar. Another man had used racial slurs and had progressed to punches between two two people. He was breaking them up. Um, at, he had a concealed carry license. He had a handgun. At one point, he pulled it out when they wouldn't stop punching. Police showed up. He went to put his gun back in his holster. Uh, it slipped. It fell to the floor. He reached down to grab it. There were two officers there. They haven't released which one shot. They're both on leave now, but uh, the gentleman, Jason Washington, ended up dead. Um, it's a terrible situation. I don't think he deserved to die. I do think bringing a concealed handgun to a bar is stupid, uh, but should not be a fatal mistake. It also highlights another issue I like to talk about. The increased militarization of the police are because they have to deal with an increased militarized population. In, in countries with low numbers of, of fatalities due to police, it's largely because police don't automatically assume you're going to try and shoot them. In America, unfortunately, with the number of guns we have on the street, that is pretty much the first thing they jump to. And I think wrongly, but I can at least understand why they jump to that. I, 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 this sort of thing is stupid on all ends, and we deal with this bloodshed constantly in this country. Um, the PSU police were only armed two years ago. The, the Board of Regents for the college passed initiative allowing them to be armed. Uh, the family, as, as part of their, their speaking out after this uh, senseless death, has demanded that PSU disarm their police. The student body has largely got beyond behind that call. I think it's, well, Board of Regents can be can be a real assholes sometimes, but I think it's likely with the student body as behind this as it is that we will see that and PSU cops will no longer have the ability to just pull out their guns and blast people away. Also, please, if you have a concealed, concealed carry permit, do not go to a fucking bar with a concealed gun. Even if you're doing everything right, which 
I, I don't know if he should have pulled the gun, but he was trying to break up a fight. He didn't hit anybody. There's video of the entire incident if anybody wants to review it himself. Wait, so he pulled it out while trying to break up the fight? No, no, no. He tried to break up okay. the fight. They they kept going at it. Punches were thrown. One guy had a bloody nose. At that point, he pulled out the handgun, told everybody to break it up, and then the police oh. showed up, and, and everything went Oh, over. gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm a good guy with yeah. a gun, you know? Don't fucking bring a gun to a bar. Yeah. 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 Even if you're doing the right thing, bad shit happens, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a recipe for disaster. One thing I am a little bit curious about, uh, and Dan, you're, there's probably a real simple answer to this, like not when they're not on the job, but mm-hmm. I, I, attacking a federal like official, such as the Postal Service, has always struck out to me as like a hardcore felony. Like they pull out all the stops on that. Since he's not on duty, maybe nothing will happen, but doesn't this make it a federal crime? Uh I don't think so. Uh, oh, at least, okay. you know, even laws with uh, police officers and things like that, there's a uh, question of whether they can be charged or have aggravation for having it be killing of a police officer when there is some question of whether the officer is on duty. I mean, the nearest case I can think of that I followed very closely was one up in Alaska a few years ago where a couple of cops off duty were uh, shot by a guy. And ultimately you know since it was a small town and these were you know two of like maybe five police officers total in town they were basically considered on duty as soon as shots were fired they were called in and so it was given those aggravators but in circumstances where the officer or in this case the federal office holder is not on duty not explicitly you know doing the work of the employer uh i mean unless there's something that would call them into service at that time, I think it's I don't think it's going to be federal. I think it's still a back just phone a, call from the post service putting them into duty immediately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that it's not really in this capacity as a postal worker to yeah. bring bring a gun to a fist fight. The uh the family has been really wonderful on this in the media. It, it's a family full of women. I, I believe he was the only man in the house. He had a wife and, and two or three daughters. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's sad and it's unnecessary. We don't need this shit. Nobody needs it. He yeah. was out, he was out celebrating. Oregon State won the College World Series. Like, he was out having a good time. He was a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, shitty. Yeah, so many aspects of that. Just, yeah. <sighs> not good. All right, let's, uh, wrap it up. We'll do the, what are we following this week? And JJ, since I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about soccer, I'll kick it off to you. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, let's see. I think it's, uh, the last, pretty much the last week of the World Cup. Uh, the semifinals are Tuesday and Wednesday. And then... Final uh, third place game is the is Saturday, and then the final game is Sunday. Uh, so we have winnowed all twenty eight teams, uh, twenty six teams down to uh, four, who are all European, which is always a bummer. Uh, half of whom have already won a World Cup. Uh, so if you want your underdogs to support, that'll be England, Belgium. No, huh? it's England. No. Yes, it is. 
England's like international soccer team has been crap for like longer than we've been alive. That's true. The last time they did anything good was, I believe, seventy six. Yeah, it's like a Something meme like in in UK forums and whatnot to to just like assume England is going to lose every game they play. It's true, but I, I mean, to be fair, Brock, um, fuck the British. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's to say, there's there's some non soccer stuff coming into that. I think. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. it's just some, like general existential nihilism of the British. They're like, no, we can't have nice things. Because we took all, all of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you definitely want to support Croatia over the British on Wednesday. Uh, and Belgium over France if you are pushing for some underdog teams. Uh, Croatia just took Russia out today. Which I was really happy to see because Russia got way, way, way further than they should have. And I've seen quite a few stories that are talking about some doping scandals that might come out soon. I, I would be utterly shocked if there weren't. During the Sochi Olympics, Russia literally built a, an FSB base next to the the doping like analysis lab, <laughs> and they would sneak in at night and swap the samples. Oh my god. Yeah, I read a story two days ago that actually mentioned that specifically, and they were like, FIFA officials are pretty sure that that's not taking place this time. <laughs> um, but let's see, I believe four of the doctors for the Russian football team were doctors that were kicked out of the Olympics because they were running the Russian Olympic doping program. So, I mean, yeah, they're fucking super dope. <laughs> and fuck Russia for fucking with the World Cup. Uh, and I'm so happy that they lost because right now, fuck you, Russia, just like the British. Pretty much on You're principle. the reason we yeah. don't have nice things. <laughs> literally, yes. Yeah, literally. You, some nice things, yeah. Quite a few nice things are gone because of Russia. So, yeah, suck it. <laughs> suck it, <in laughs> <day>, Russia. <laughs> Oh man! All right. It it makes it, I think, a little extra poignant that Croatia is one of the Balkan countries Russia doesn't like. Like they're super buds with Serbia and shit, but Croatia not so much. Yeah, it it was it was a heated game. It was a heated game. It was pretty good. I mean, it didn't go too far on the bad side of a heated game, which was very nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dan, how about you? What are you following this week? All right. Well, I am following video games this week. It's been a while since I got myself a new one, and there is one coming out that has struck my eye, which isn't part of any franchise that I've been following for some time before either. Uh, it's an exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. I've been playing the demo for it a little bit this week. Uh, it's a uh, retro uh, 90s-style RPG uh, coming out called Octopath Traveler and uh, I guess the closest thing I could really compare it to is it's kind of a souped up version of Final Fantasy 6 uh, stories are a little bit grittier uh, the characters have uh, you know really deep and involved backstories uh, and yeah at least from the demo it's fantastic so far a really fun battle system uh, great nostalgic graphical style that of course still looks good because it's been upgraded for the Switch so it, it's just kind of faux 16-bit but it's just amazing so if you're into 90s RPGs 
it's an excellent buy and coming out this Friday. All right. Uh, I'm that going. Does look nice. I, I yeah, I saw your post in uh, the the gaming group we've got. I, mm-hmm. I wish I had a switch, but I don't. oh yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about kind of video games too. One of my favorite creators was a gentleman by the name of Edmund Millen. He got his start making flash games. Uh, you may know him for a couple of really big indie hits. Super Meat Boy was incredibly popular, and The Binding of Isaac is probably my favorite roguelike of any time. He, uh, I'm sorry, what are you going to say? Huh? Uh, I thought you were going to say something. My bad. Oh, no. no. Okay. He launched a Kickstarter for a, a card game version of Binding of Isaac that you can play you know, around a table with friends. Uh, it smashed its goals. It smashed its stretch goals. It's making just boatloads of money. Uh, I'm really excited to try it out. He's also got another game that should be coming in some months at some point, uh, The Legend of Bumbo, which is a spin-off of Isaac done in 3D with a very popular uh, little coin-eating beast of some variety. I don't think we've really nailed down what Bumbo is. But he poops bombs. I thought that would get more of a laugh. That's helpful. I, I just—I mean, that's the best poop. <laughs> it's not, so he—he he does contact damage when you feed him enough coins, he gets big enough, and he just goes and stomps on shit. But yeah, when he continues to eat coins, he poops out bombs, and I have a nasty habit of exploding in your face. He's killed me more times than I can count, but I still love the little guy. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a sucker for indie video too i love that sort of stuff and i love card games i used to play munchkin like it was going out of season i i love crap like that so i'm, I'm definitely going to check out the isaac card game all right well mine bored the huh? shit out of everybody <laughs> no 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 sorry i just have it on mute when i'm not actually talking uh it's all good have a great week guys i will see you next week and hopefully the republic survives all right hopefully Let's let's hope. <laughs> Later on. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.